Father, I, I pray that you would um, open up our ears and our hearts and give us eyes to see um, the beauty and majesty of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'll be reading from the passage in Colossians that Duncan read earlier. If you have a Bible, uh, feel free to read along. And like Matt said, if you're you know, following on in your cell phone, I'm not going to take offense to that. So feel free to do so. Um, Okay, so this is going to sound like a really strange and uh, maybe childish way to start a sermon, Um, but I am a junior high youth minister, and so this is kind of all I know, and this is what I do, and um, so this is how we're going to go about it, and I promise if you stick with me, there is a point to it, Um, so just stick around and we'll get there. I want to ask all of y'all a question um, in just a moment, and I want you in your head You don't have to answer out loud. In fact, it'd be probably a little strange if you did. Just answer in your head. I'll give you about 10 seconds to think it over. Um, But the question I want you to answer is this. Again, it's silly, but just stick with me. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Go. Awkward silence is over. I'll, I'll talk from, the, from here on out. You don't have to do that again. But keep that in your mind, okay? I know it's weird, but I'm going to get there. So the reason I ask such a silly question, I, I think there's, I have two things on my agenda here. One is to get your attention, and I hope I've done that. And then two is to reveal to you something that I think everyone in this room has in common. And so I'll, you don't have to share with me yours, but I'll share with me with you what my answer to the question would be. If somebody came up to me and asked me, if you could have any superpower, and again, I'm a junior high youth minister, so this question does come up, so I've thought a lot about it, and my answer isn't exciting, and it's not very extravagant, um, but I do think it's very telling about something that's going on inside of me, and this is it. If I could do anything, if I had any power, I want the ability to fit as much sleep as I desire into as much or as little time as I choose. So basically, I could decide to sleep one minute, wake up, feel like, and operate the rest of the day as if I got eight hours of really solid sleep. Like any superpower, that, that's the one. I know it's not exciting, but I'm convinced if I had the choice, that's what I would want. And as I said, it should be really telling about something going on in me. It should communicate to you that I don't feel like I get enough sleep. It should communicate to you that I find my life exhausting sometimes. It should communicate that there are forces in my life that are out of my control that I'm just convinced if I didn't have to sleep so much at night, I could somehow harness and manipulate in a way that it might benefit me. Um, It should tell you that I'm overwhelmed by the things that I expect from myself and even more so Uh, by the things that people expect from me. It's really that there's brokenness in me and that I find this life difficult at times. And I'm just looking for a way that I could somehow, somehow manipulate it for my advantage. And going back to this superpower that y'all may have just come up with in your head, I submit to you that this is the case for all of us. I mean, I would be shocked if anyone in this room looks at me and maybe some of the really young kids in here could do it. But the rest of y'all, I would imagine some of this rings a bell. Right. I mean, I could, you know, maybe it's the case. I could be wrong here. Maybe it's the case that because I'm in grad school, 
you know, this is just a season of life where things are exhausting, things aren't as easy as I like them to be. And once I graduate and I get out in, you know, what we call the real world, things are better and easier, you know? Things just must get better from here, right? If this is the hardest season of my life, it's going to get better. And if you've lived long enough, you know that that's just a reality that's never going to come true. And so I want you to think about the superpower that you chose. And my guess is if, I, if we probed deep enough down in there, we would get to something that reveals you long the same way that I long for some way, some power to manipulate circumstances in a way that would help us. It reveals that we feel small, we feel finite, we feel like this world is overwhelming, like the demands on our life are too much. We, we all struggle with this. And to this point, I have both good news and bad news. I'll start with the bad. The bad news is you are going to leave the service and there is a high probability that you will not have a new superpower as you leave. I'm very confident of that. So that's the bad news. But the good news is, even though every single one of us wishes for some power to manipulate things, and we ultimately aren't, we're not going to get this superpower, the good news is, this is exactly what the Church of, Colossian, of the Colossians also longed for in the passage that Duncan read. It's exactly what they were looking for, and it's exactly what Paul addresses. And if you don't see it in your own life, I, I, I would you know, charge you to go watch a superhero movie. I promise you, one of the reasons it's so popular, one of the reasons we love to watch people like Thor or Captain America or whoever do what they do is we look at them and we see a power that they have that allows you to manipulate their circumstances in a way that helps them to cope with this world. They have this power, they have this X factor that allows them to kind of avoid all the pain and suffering and frustrations that everyday life brings every single one of us. And again, we're not going to get granted superpowers when we leave this room, but I hope that Paul's address to the Colossians can offer us some hope in this situation. So, like I said, if you have a Bible um, open to Colossians 2, if you want to go along with your phone, do that. Whatever works for you, that's great. If you want to just listen, that's also fine. So, the church in Colossians at this point, at the writing of Paul, had been infiltrated by a false teaching. And Paul is now addressing it. Paul wasn't the planner of the church. It was actually planted by a guy named Epaphras, who has addressed Paul and said, hey, this church was doing great. You know, they listened to the teaching that I've passed on. But now all these false teachers have come in with this false philosophy. And like, I'm really worried about the health of my church. I need you to write them. I need you to address this. And so this is exactly what Paul's doing. And we don't know all the details um, that, you know, go into this false teaching. We can only, you know, throw guesses at it. But what we do know is that, one, it advocated a very ascetic lifestyle. So it basically called for its followers to abstain from certain foods and drinks. It called for a really strict way of living. It called for them to observe different religious festivals and holidays. It also promoted the worship of angels. It promoted visionary experiences and all sorts of other things. Basically, all these things that these false teachers are telling the Colossian church, hey, I, I love that you know Christ. I love that you've heard all these teachings. 
But if you want to be really spiritual, if you want to really figure your life out, if you want to take care of all these circumstances, you need to do what we're doing. You've got to follow these things. You can't eat that. You can't drink that. You need to observe these festivals and holidays. And what they've done is take away from the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. What they've done is said, Christ is great, but that's just your starting point. I'm glad you figured that out, but we've got to move on from there if we really want to get somewhere. And the whole time I was studying for this passage, all I could think of when I'm thinking of a way to relate this to our everyday lives is these guys sound so much like things that we're constantly bombarded with. The false teachers have basically told the Colossians, hey, you want the key to a better you? You want a key to a better and easier life? Here it is. You've got to do these, this, that, and the other. Right? And it sounds to me a lot like these diet programs, these little workout programs that we might get on. Right? It sounds like these self-help manuals that, I mean, if you make one, you can easily be a bestseller. I mean, it's very easy to do. Right? TV shows, we're bombarded with all these people telling us, hey, I know the secret to life. I have figured it out. I have the key. Listen to me. And if you just follow these steps, if you just follow what I've told you to do, your life will be better. I mean, I get it. Like, your life is tough, it's frustrating at times, you're overwhelmed, but I'm telling you, if you just do these ten steps or these five steps, or someone might be really bold, say, if you just do this one thing, you're set. Life's going to be figured out. And this is exactly what Paul's addressing. And so in Paul in Second Colossians 2, 6-15, Paul does address it. And then if you want to go even further, you also go all the way through verse 23, and you see some more of his um, addressing of that false teaching. And so when Paul comes and writes these Colossians, he basically tells them, look, this philosophy, this quote, key to the secret of life, it's empty. It's deceptive. It's hollow. There is no substance, substance to it. It's just a shadow. It's a mist. You can grab at it. It's not going to go anywhere. You can follow their 10-step program the same way we can follow the advice of you know, Dr. Oz or whoever else might be out there. And ultimately, it's not going to fix you. It's not going to fix your life. It's not going to make things easier. That's, it's not the answer. Right? And so what, what is it that Paul advocates and said? I mean, it's all fine and well for Paul to say, hey, Colossians, this isn't it. Don't do this. Right? And so they're you know, sitting there just like us. We're saying, okay, Palmer, I don't get a superpower, and you're telling me my self-help manual isn't very helpful. I need something. Like, give me something to cling to. And Paul's answer is not all that complicated. Right? In verse 6, I'm going to have to find it. (laughs) Hold on. I'll just tell you. In verse 6, Paul tells them, cling to Christ. Walk with Him, rooted and established in the faith as you received it. Don't listen to these false teachings. Don't listen to this false philosophy. Don't try to follow these steps hoping that these empty things are going to bring you satisfaction and joy. I want you to be rooted in Christ. I want you to be clinging constantly to Him. Right? These these philosophers, these false philosophers were telling them, hey, again, Christ is great, but if you want to be really spiritual, do this, that, and the other. Paul comes back and says, you want to be really spiritual? Go back to Christ as you received Him. You don't go beyond that. He's it. He goes on to say, in Christ the fullness of deity dwells. It doesn't get more spiritual than that. 
I'm going to read for you again verses 9 through 15 because I could try to preach on it, but I think just this is too good not to read again. So, again, if you want to follow with me, feel free. Otherwise, I'll just read to you. So, verse 9, we'll start there. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith, in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you who were, raised, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross." He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. There's a ton in there to unpack. I mean, we could spend like the next four Sundays trying to do it. But Paul's basic point is this. Cling to Christ. Walk in Christ. He is enough for you. These philosophers are telling you, you need to add all these things You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to observe this festival and this one. You need to follow these ten steps. Right? But those things are never going to fill the void that only Christ can. They're never going to transform you. Right? It may have the appearance of being able to do something. Again, Paul later on says it has the appearance of wisdom. And yet, ultimately, it's a completely futile way of approaching our problem as human beings, which is our desire for control, our need for help and comfort in this life. And so I think Paul would answer. He'd say, do you want to be super spiritual? I mean, like the most spiritual dude you've ever met? He would say, cling to and walk in Christ, in whom you have been filled and in whom the fullness of deity dwells. Are you overwhelmed by your circumstances and the forces of this world. Like I am. I mean, I need more sleep, right? And I also don't want to sleep so long because I need more time to do this stuff. I'm overwhelmed. Paul would tell me, cling to Christ. He who loved you enough to die for you and redeem you is also the ruler and authority of all things. Even the most mundane and trivial facets of your life. He is even with you as you drive down 280 at 5 o'clock traffic. He is there. He is with you. He is your satisfaction. He is all that you need. Are you stuck in sin? Is there a sin that you are just so bogged down in that you can't defeat? Paul would not advocate some 10-step program. He would tell you, cling to Christ. Look back to Christ. You're not going to go beyond Him. Back to Christ. With whom you have been buried and forgiven of all your transgressions and wickedness. And you have been raised the newness of life. I'm reminded of Jesus' teaching of the branches and the vine when He approaches His disciples and says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in Me and you will bear much fruit, but apart from Me you can do nothing. Alright, these philosophers are saying, hey, the vine's great, but branch, you should kind of Give that up and come follow me and do something else, right? They're trying to separate the branch from its life source, the vine. The same way that anyone who comes to you and says, Christ is great, but hey, you better do this, that, and the other to accomplish this spiritual life or make your life better. They're telling you, you need to leave the vine. 
They're telling you, you need to go be a branch on your own and you better muscle up, get after it, and then your life is going to be fulfilling. Whereas Paul and Jesus would instead admonish us to say, cling to Christ. Abide in me. Abide in the vine. We don't, you know, if you, any of y'all were like wine people, you've been down to like Napa Valley or wherever, right? You walk around, you don't see grapes on the ground doing great things, right? You don't see them just really wrestling really hard trying to produce this wonderful fruit, right? Instead, you see grapes on the branches that have remained on the vine. And that is what Paul is calling the Colossians back to. He's saying, abide in Christ. Cling to Him. So, in sum, to conclude, you and I don't need an amazing superpower. We don't need an amazing trick or an amazing key to this amazing secret of life that we might live something that's more fulfilling than what we currently have. We don't need those amazing things. We have an amazing God who loves us. We have an amazing God who rules and reigns over all things and loves you more intensely than you will ever fathom. Enough that He would send His Son and purchase you with His precious blood. The same God who died for you is the God who runs this whole thing. He's the one who runs your everyday life. He's the one who runs the circumstances of every day. And for me, that's comforting. I look at these circumstances that are so overwhelming and I say, oh, if only I didn't need so much sleep. Or if only I could fly. Or if only, you know, I could shoot laser beams from my eyes so I could cook quicker. Like, I don't know. We have all these ideas, and yet God is saying, you have me. And I have promised never to leave you or forsake you. God has never promised His people an easy life. He hasn't promised a life without pain. He hasn't promised a life without problems. But He's promised a life in which He will be our life source, always. And He never will leave us or forsake us. Amen.